Hey homeschoolers, I'm Melissa Webb, former full-time classroom teacher and homeschool mom turned full-time business CEO and encourager to homeschool families everywhere. I am determined and dedicated to helping you in this journey that you're on. Yes, I wanna give you sound, educational, practical tips and advice, at the same time making sure that you're enjoying the family journey that you are on. So if you are looking for a place to be encouraged and inspired, you have found the perfect podcast. Homeschooling is a work of heart, is truly the perfect place to start. So welcome. Let's jump in. Well, hello, and welcome to Pi Day, which may be throwing a few of you off. Like, why would I be talking about a math number like Pi as a writing teacher? But here's the thing about writing. We need to be doing writing across the curriculum. And I thought, what a perfect day, Pi Day, to talk a little bit about math and a little bit about writing and offer you a fun freebie as well. So that's exactly what we're going to do. We're going to talk a little bit um, about math. And I have a really fun narrative assignment that you can be working on, perhaps while baking your pie. And it's called the missing blank. And you could put in whatever you want, like the missing pie. So let's jump in and talk a little bit about the inspiration that I had around uh, this very special math day, which falls uh, every day on March 14th. Uh, and that is because the number for pi is 3.14. It's actually an irrational number. It goes on 3.1416, so on and so forth. But I thought that this might be a great opportunity to make sure that our children understand the why behind things more so than we were taught. I mean, when I was taught, pi in school, I just remember it was a number I had to memorize. Pi equaled 3.14, but it didn't have any meaning to me. And I feel that as homeschool teachers, we can do such a better job and make sure that our children completely understand why, not just what it is. So let's jump in and let's talk pi. So um, if you think of a pi right? It's a, it's a circular shape. Um, and if you were to place that circular shape on top of a square <laughs> placemat, right? You would see two different things here. So uh, terminology is an important thing. And it's one of the first ways we can tie writing into math. I highly recommend that you have uh, a math dictionary that your child is creating each and every year. Um, as young as, as first grade, second grade, when they start to understand numbers, uh, they write the word one or two or three, and then next to it, the number of items that that number represents. It can start with that, you know, just learning how to spell the numbers and what the numbers mean. As children get older, they start learning uh, geometry. They could write the definition for sphere and pyramid. And having all of these important math definitions in a math journal, I we used to do them by year. So there'd be a fourth grade math journal, a fifth grade math journal. And it's just a great tool to go back 
and look it up. And the thing is, you know, some people would say, but, you know, those answers are right at their fingertips. True. However, there is science that backs up that when we write something ourselves, that connection between our hand, what we're writing and our brain stores much better, significantly better in our minds. So just keep that in mind and maybe consider doing some definitions. It's a great place to do the first piece of writing and math together. Okay, but let's go ahead and do this visual. I want to explain why pi is 3.14 because you may or may not have heard it this way. And I will tell you, I did not learn it this way until I was in college. I had a great math, elementary math teacher who taught math at the fundamental level that as a college student, I finally understood some things that I didn't understand as a child when it was taught to me. And that's not to say that I didn't have great elementary children, but as we know, math skills and math um, understanding is a developmental skill. And the older we get, when we have more inference skills, we can start to connect the dots and things that didn't make much sense earlier in our life, suddenly they do. So there's all that too. Okay, so let's go ahead. Let's do this visual. We've got a cherry pie circular shape, and it is sitting on a square, perfectly square placemat. Now, there's two things going on here. If you were to consider the outside of that square placemat, those four straight lines that construct that square is called the perimeter, right? Those four sides create the perimeter, and it's the outside of the square. And we know that in a square that they are four equal sides. So if I were to say the top uh, of the square happened to be, let's just go with 10 inches, then we would know that the square on the left side, that line going vertically, let's just say, also be 10 inches. We know the bottom uh, line, the bottom perimeter going horizontally would also be 10 inches. And that we know on the right side, that other vertical line uh, would also be 10 inches. So when asked what the perimeter of the square would be, pretty basic, right? 40 inches. Now, how do we know that? Well, we took the number 10, because each side was 10 inches, and we times it by the fact that there were four equal sides. And that is how we got our 40 inches. Now, the inside or sitting on this, this great square, you see our pie. Now the pie is a different shape, correct? It's actually a circle. And the circle, even though it's lined up nicely with this square placemat, we can tell it takes up less space, correct? It does. It takes up less space. So here we want to understand a couple of things. The circumference, which is what we call the outside of a circle, the circumference of this circle is smaller than the placemat that it's sitting on, the perimeter of the placemat that it's sitting on that's perfectly square. Yes? I think everybody could agree with that. Okay. Keep with me. Keep with me. <laughs> 
Now, here's the thing, though. If I were to slice my pie straight across the middle, I just made this um, horizontal line going straight across the middle. We know what that is called. Yes, that is called the diameter. That's the diameter of a circle. And here's what is interesting that should be pointed out to students. That diameter, that vertical line that cuts our pie right in half into two equal halves, that line is the same distance as the line of the perimeter of the square. Are you staying with me? So just imagine that. Imagine this pie cut in half from one side to another. It touches the square placemat from the left side to the right side. That's the same distance as one of the edges of this square. That diameter is, is important. But rather than multiplying that times four equal sides, because if we look at that, we can see it's less. I mean, it's kind of like I used to remember when we used to have to run around the um, baseball diamond and people would cut the corners, right? They'd cut the corners. They wouldn't stay on the full perimeter. They'd run more like around the bases and they'd be cutting those corners, making it a shorter distance, right? It's what all kids do at some point or another. We like to cut corners. Okay, adults like to do it too. So we know that multiplying that diameter times four isn't going to work because it's less than four equal sides. But how much less is it? Well, when you ask students, the interesting thing is most of them will go, well, it's not four. It's definitely less than four. It's probably three. Oh, do you see where pi is starting to come in? Now, we'd have to go a lot deeper into the realm of math, which you certainly can do. There's a lot of resources out there. But I can go ahead and tell you just that little connection that kids make, like, oh, a square has four equal sides. But if I'm going to try and get the circumference of a circle, it's going to be less than these four equal sides. It's going to be three point something. And specifically, that would be 3.1416 and so on. Like I said, it's an irrational number, so it doesn't just land on a specific whole number ever, ever, ever. But that does give people the understanding that when you want to determine the circumference of a circle, right, the outside of a circle, you're going to have to multiply that diameter, which what, we, what in this particular case, that diameter is going to be 10. It's definitely going to be 10 because we already measured the square and it's 10. And the diameter goes from one side to the other. So that's 10 times 3.14. That's why we measure circumference like that. I hope that kind of helps. I hope that kind of helps. Some of you are like, I thought I was just here for some writing. Oh, I've got that for you too. So Pi Day is a fun day. It's a fun day to have this um, conversation. And please don't think that, well, we did it last year, so we don't need to do that again this year. Oh my goodness. It is a good refresher for all of us. Time and time again, come back to these things so that your children can learn 
and recall. And here's the other thing that would be a super great writing activity. Have your child in their math journal, highly recommend that math journal, um, have them go ahead and explain in their own words, how did or how would you explain the difference between finding the perimeter of a square and the circumference of a circle? Just like what I explained right there, that could be put into words. Again, this would be a really fun thing to do um, as an assignment and actually bake a pie while you're at it. Like just, just fun, bring all these things together. This cross learning, oh, it's excellent. It's an excellent thing to do. Now, what we have done in past on past pie days, whether it was making a pizza pie, we've done that, or a cherry pie or a pumpkin pie, right? Just have some fun in the kitchen. It's a great time to, to use those as your uh, visual pieces, your hands-on pieces. Here's another thing you could write. In your math journal, write the recipe that we're going to make when making our pie today, right? Now you can pull in fractions and you could make two pies, give one to a neighbor. Now we're gonna have to multiply fractions, right? There's so many fun ways that you can tie this in. And at the end of the day, you may say, oh my gosh, we spent our whole day in the kitchen. We didn't get any learning done. I would dare to disagree. You not only got great learning done, that stuff's gonna stick. I mean, in their minds, maybe on their fingers too, but that's going to stick for a long time, that understanding of what pie is and that learning can be so fun. Okay. The next thing I want to go over though, is how to tie this in to a fun narrative assignment. I love to teach narrative writing and I have a quick, easy, um, acronym to help you help your child be a better narrative writer. So what this uh, what this uh, acronym is, is SWBS. I always like to just say swabs, but there's no A in there. But if you could just remember swabs, uh, take the A out. It's SWBS. Each of these letters stands for something important when creating a storyline. And I have a great handout for you. It's just a, a mystery uh, narrative brainstorm page just to get the ideas started and to teach your child how to organize ideas. Yes, this is just one piece of a lot of things I have in my paid programs because um, with those there's video instruction and there's outline forms and check off lists and all that sort of thing. But honestly, you can create this with this freebie too. So what I did with my students with this particular assignment is I first had them focus on the S. So the first S in SWAB stands for your somebody. You need in a good story to have a protagonist, your, your main character. Now in this one, I like to make the somebody, the sleuth, this is a mystery, a detective, um, have that be the child. Like that's just fun. You get to be the detective. And with that, you're going to need a few other people in a mystery. You're going to want one to three suspects, right? You can't have a good mystery without a few suspects. 
And you also want to include your setting, but keep in mind with setting. Setting is the place, of course, you know, it happened in your home, uh, but also what time of day, you know, was it the middle of the night you heard something go clunk and it startled you and you grabbed your flashlight and walked down the stairs, right? You can put us in a place, but you can also tell us the time or, and, or even the season, you know, maybe this is right around Halloween or the start of summer, right? Like you can, you can have fun with that. Lots of fun things there. And in this outline that you'll get, there is a place where students fill in this worksheet with their name, the names of their suspects, where they're setting place, time, and season, right? There's a spot for all of this. So the next part in the SWABS acronym is the W. So the W is once. You need a somebody, that's the S, who wants something. And in our case, in this mystery, they want to find something. I think it would be kind of fun for Pi Day to actually find the missing pie, right? It was Pi Day. Our family spent the day in the kitchen. We made a delicious pie. We let it cool while we went for a walk to the park. But when we came back, the pie was missing. So there's a whole section here that you can fill out and it gives you some important things to think about. When you create a storyline with a somebody wanted, we need to be thinking about why is that even important? Why would it be important? Well, in this case, it'd be very important because the family made the pie and they were so excited to have it for dinner, after dinner for dessert, and it's now gone. It's important that we find the missing pie. Now, the next section is full of all of these different parts about but and so and but and so. And those are the two other letters in the acronym. So SWBS, swabs, like I like to call it, is somebody wanted but so. But so now, however long your narrative is, well, that's going to depend on how many things are happening. So if you have a young writer, you might just have one clue that is found and 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 it could be anything like there were cherry paw prints on the kitchen floor. So we followed it to the door, but outside the door, they disappeared. Then you find one other thing that happened. We looked into the doghouse and saw Fido licking his paws. And very quickly, you can have this solved. Now, if you have a, a more experienced or eager writer, you can have multiple clues and then actions that go. Once we find this clue, what do we do? Find another clue. What do we do? Find another clue. What do we do? That can keep a story going on and on. There's a whole section here for how to fill that out. Now, I do recommend this to my more advanced writers. In a mystery story, it's so fun to include a red herring. Now, the red herring is just that moment where an author and, and mystery writers are so good at these they lead you down a road where you think, oh, for sure it's the dog, right? There were paw prints and it led outside and there's the dog licking the pie, you know, licking its paws, cherry off of its paws. Um, and yet you get over there and all of a sudden you notice 
wait, there's a sound to the left. You look to the left and there's uh, the neighbor kid sitting in the swing with the whole pie in his hand and he's just eating it with his hands or something, right? We thought all along everything was pointing to the dog, but that was just a red herring. In fact, there were more clues yet to be stumbled upon. So you can have a lot of fun with that part. Now, at the end, there always has to be the final but so. um, And that's where you get your conclusive evidence, the motive behind it, the outcome, what's going to happen there. Um, And then that will actually wrap up your narrative. It's such a fun way to do a story. And I would just tell you, while that pie on pie day is baking in the oven, This is a fun activity to do. Another suggestion, since you're already all together, if you've never tried this, write a family group story. You write one story, but everybody plays a part. You you, uh, take this uh, handout, this brainstorm page, and one person can be the scribe, right? They're going to write all the things, but they're asking the whole group, okay, you guys, who should be suspects? And everybody gets a tie-in. This is a fun thing to do, especially if you have little kids who wish that they could be writing stories, put it all together. And then again, have somebody else could actually be the person who now takes it from this level to the next and actually gets it out on paper, maybe even types it up. And it could be a family story that that night, as everybody's enjoying their delicious dessert, Somebody else in the family gets to be the one who gets to read the final story out loud to the family. I don't know. I just think it could be a fun idea. There are so many great ideas. And my goal is to share all the ideas I have with you in the hopes of stirring your own imagination so that you can come up with something super fun for your own family. So I certainly hope this was something that inspired you. Have a most wonderful pie day, whatever it is that you do. Right on. Well, thanks so much for tuning in and listening this week. Hey, if this was something that you found valuable, don't forget you want to subscribe or follow so that every time a new episode is dropped, you'll be the first to know. And hey, before you go, if you are looking to get some of this academic writing under your belt and outsourced so that it's one less thing freeing you up to enjoy more time with your family, hey, you're going to want to head over to Write on Web. to see what kinds of resources and materials I have available for you. I will look forward to seeing you there and I will look forward to seeing you here in our next episode. Right on.